Joshua chapter number 10. We'll read responsively verses 6 through 14. Joshua chapter number 10. I begin reading in verse number 6 out loud. And then you'll join me on verse number 7. We'll read down to verse number 14. Joshua chapter number 10. Joshua chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says, And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thine hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell on the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Bethhorn, and smote them at Ezekah, and unto Makeda. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekah, and they died. They were not more that died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites from before the children of Israel, and said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Let's pray, Lord. We do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the accuracy and for the inspiration of the word of God. Thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you for the examples you've set forth in it, that we may follow those examples and glean from the truths that you've written in these pages. Lord, be with our pastor now this evening as he preaches. Give him clarity of thought. Fill him with the spirit of God as he preaches. May we yield to that same Holy Spirit as we listen. Speak to our hearts now this evening. We'll ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to use them a little bit tonight. But I want to help you very quickly here. Here in Joshua chapter 10 is a very interesting passage. Let me give you a little background with it and it will help you understand. Of course, Joshua takes over for Moses after Moses is dead. The Jews were supposed to leave Egypt under the leadership of Moses. They were to cross the Red Sea, come from the south and around to the east, enter into Canaan land and chase out the Canaanites. If you remember, they got to the edge of the Jordan River. They sent 12 spies in, and they spied out the land. Ten came back saying, oh, it's a wonderful place, but we can't do this. Two said, Joshua and Caleb said, let's just go. Let's obey God. God will take care of it. Well, they listened to the ten. They didn't listen to the, to the two. And God said, okay, they were in there 40 days. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 
And in that 40-year period, everybody from the age of, over the age of 20 died in the wilderness. Millions of deaths. Another generation has arisen. Forty years have passed. Joshua then picks up the mantle. They cross. They go into Jericho. And they begin this battle across what is now Israel to take back the land that God gave them. The land that flows with milk and honey. The land of Canaan. Here in Joshua chapter 10, they are in the midst of starting these battles with the Canaanites. Now... Jericho was the tithe city. It was the first city. Everything from Jericho went to the house of God. From then on, God was going, and God promised the Jews, look, if you'll just go forward, I'll chase them from before you. I'll destroy them before your own eyes, but you've got to keep going. And Joshua is going to go fight in Gilgal. There's a couple things here that you've got to see to understand. Uh, Gilgal is a mountain city. It's up on, uh, Israel is kind of shaped this way. You have uh, in the west, let's see, I'm facing from your direction. In the west, you would have the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Then you have the land of Israel, and then it goes up. And then it comes back down on the other side. It's almost like a backbone that goes through there. And the Jordan River runs on the back side of that. Does that make sense to everybody? So you have the Mediterranean Sea, Israel, the mountains, Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Gilgal and all those cities are up on top of this mountain ridge. And then it comes down to the, to the Jordan River. You have the, the, the Red Sea, or I'm sorry, the Sea of Galilee in the north, and it flows down into the Dead Sea through the Jordan River. Now, when the Bible says that they went up, it doesn't mean they went north. That's what we think. When it says they went up, it means they went up. They climbed the mountain. They went up into the mountains. And so they had to ascend. Now, if you know anything about fighting, if you've ever been to Gettysburg, uh, you find out a little bit about what the Battle of Gettysburg was like if you go through the battlefield and the slaughtering from the high ground. It's a whole lot easier to fight when you're on top shooting down, then you got to fight climbing up. There's always an advantage on the high ground. And here is these Hebrews. They're going in and Joshua says, God, are you sure? And he said, I'm sure. If you'll just go up, I'll take care of this. So they go up the mountains. Now, they go up at night. And by morning, they're finally up there with the entire army. And they begin fighting and fighting and fighting. And the folks from Gilgal and these towns up there, they start running down the mountain into the valleys. And we read there in verse number 11 and 10 that God sent these great hailstones. And the hailstones were so big that when they hit one of these enemy soldiers, it would kill them. And the Bible says that there were more people that died from the hailstones than the Hebrews had killed. Now you talk about a wopsucker hailstone. That's like bowling balls falling from the sky, amen? Uh, I've seen about baseball-sized hail before, softball-sized hail, and I don't want to be out in that. My mom and dad had lived in Indiana 
for a while, and they had a hailstorm like that, and it, it, every roof in their neighborhood had to be replaced. Uh, glass windows and siding had to be replaced, and there was a retention pond back behind the their house, and my dad said it looked like somebody firing mortar rounds into it. It was just everywhere. I can't imagine hailstones big enough to kill people. Uh, think about how many... Uh, if you're the Israelites, you're hoping God's got good aim is all I can tell you. Now, uh, they begin to fight them, but the evening is starting to come on. And Joshua tells God, God, we're not done yet. We got a lot of fighting to do. And if we let them stop for the evening, they're going to regather and gather other friends and it's going to be harder tomorrow. We may lose more people. He said, God, would you make the sun and the moon stand still? Would you stop time for a little bit until we can whoop the snot? I'm sorry, whoop the mucus out of these people. And the Bible says that God heard Joshua and the sun stood still for about a day, which is about 12 extra hours. Did you know? that scientists have proven this story to be true because there's 12 hours unaccounted for in time. They can't explain it. They just know there's a 12-hour gap and they can't figure out what happened. Well, I can tell you what happened. God said, stop. And the world quit spinning just briefly. Somehow he stopped time and for those next 12 hours Joshua and the Israelites were able to defeat the enemy now <laughs> let me say this the Lord gave Joshua a special victory not only did they hold back the enemy but they got a little bit extra time that day we face a lot of battles in life. I'm going to talk to everybody tonight. Let me start by saying this. The older you get, the less battles you want to fight. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's why grandparents ought not rear grandkids. They're too tired to fight the battle. And it's a battle. The problem is... The enemy doesn't stop just because we're getting older. Did you know the devil doesn't care how old you are? Did you know that the opposition does not care your physical condition? I was with Brother Hiles one day and he was in his, honestly, the last year of his life. And he made this statement often in public, but I heard him make it in private to me. He said, Greg, I always wished I could go out loving people and not have any battles. He had seven lawsuits against him and the church at the time of his death. He said, it's not going to be my lot in light. I'm going to have to go out a fighter, not the lover that I'd like to be going out. being sued for people getting saved and getting baptized. Battles for that type of thing. 
giving out baby chicks on bus routes and other things. Uh, that was not a good one. <laughs> Stood before the judge, and he didn't know in the state of Illinois or in the city of Chicago that it was illegal to give baby chicks away. They gave baby chicks out to every bus kid from Chicago that came. Had to go to court. The judge says, is it true that you gave baby chicks away to all those children? He said, did worse than that. I ate their mother for lunch. The judge didn't think that was very funny. Uh, but the problem is this. The older we get, the less we want to fight. I'll also say this, the older we get, the more complex the fights get. It's not as easy. Uh, telling a five-year-old what to do is fine. Wait till you got to tell a 25-year-old. The battles are more complex. Wait till there's in-laws and your daughters in laws and sons in laws and their kids, and then if you got all the wonderful luxuries of exes and step grandkids and all the things that go with it, and life can get complex pretty quick. And the older we get, the more complex these problems get. When you're rearing your own children and they're small and you're young, you can fight. But when your kids become adults, guess what? They have adult problems. And adult problems are bigger than, I got a boo-boo. Adult boo-boos are bigger than little kids' boo-boos. You can't just kiss it and say, rub dirt on it, you'll be fine. That doesn't suffice. You see, and the older we get, the more it seems like the battles gang up on us. <laughs> Many people give up in their older years because they want tranquility they don't want victory. They want tranquility. They want calmness. They don't want to fight the battle to get true peace or victory. Now, please listen to me. <laughs> Maybe we need to not ask God to stop the battle. Maybe we need to ask him to stop the sun so we can whoop these little whippersnappers. Joshua didn't say, stop the battle. Joshua said, would you stop the sun so we can keep doing what you told us to do? You see, we must not stop fighting until we have full victory. I plan to preach and to keep doing and to keep uh, living by the same truth I was brought up on with the same Bible, with the same fervor that I have my entire life until I take my last breath. I don't plan on changing. I've come too far to turn back now. I'm at the point of no return. I would make a horrible liberal. Uh, I have no desire to be one. I've been preaching for 42, almost 43 years now. Do you think I want to change now? I've seen God bless. I've seen God do things that is, is too wonderful for me to say, well, let's just all hold hands and get along with everybody. Well, bless God, Jesus didn't hold hands with everybody just to get along with them and blow kisses. God listens to Joshua because God 
was obey or Joshua was obeying the command of God. I want you to notice something what it says here. Look at uh, verse 14. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened or listened under the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Now look at me. Joshua didn't ask God for something selfish. He didn't say, God, I want a new car. Would you give me the money? He didn't say, God, I want a new toy. Would you give me the money? I want a new gun. Would you give me the gun or the money? He said, no. Would you keep the sun still long enough for us to obey you to chase them out? Would you give us more time to fight? He didn't ask God to stop the battle. He just asked God for more time to be able to win the battle he was fighting. And too many times we're asking God the wrong thing. God, stop this. Stop this. Take this away. And God can't do that, but God could give you extra time, extra strength, and he'll give you the ability to finish fighting the battle as long as it's in his will. God wanted them to keep going. Let me give you three or four thoughts here. Number one, success must always face opposition. Did you know success is not easy? If it were, everybody would succeed. If success were easy, everybody could do it. (laughs) I talked to a young pastor this week. I mentioned it Wednesday night. Had his first Bible study with his, uh, it hasn't even officially started the church, but it was their first service. On Wednesday, Wednesday morning, his wife lost a baby. They still had their Bible study Wednesday night. I said, son, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. You're fighting the battle. Now, just so you know something, it's not going to stop. This is the first of many. Get through this because more's coming. I said, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you. Uh, just realize the devil only fights that which, hurts, that which hurts him most. Grace Baptist Church, listen to me. Our church is fighting against the devil and we're seeing great success. That means we're going to see great opposition. We're going to see sickness. We're going to see death. We're going to see uh, problems. We're going to see this happen, that happen. And we're going to face opposition. If we're going the right direction, you're going to face opposition. The world does not like it when someone else has what they want. Isn't that what the liberal philosophy is? Take from the rich and give to the poor. In California, they were trying to get to where every black person would get over $200 million in reparations for slavery. Every black person. 
Well, I hate to tell you, just because your skin's black doesn't mean you had slaves as as uh, predecessors. And uh, in today's world, I wonder if that means we could all identify as black. Amen. I'm going to identify as a slave uh, child. Wonder how that's going to go over. Just because wrong was done 160 years ago does not mean we ought to profit from it today. Everybody doing okay? Remember the Occupy Wall Street? Isn't it amazing? If somebody makes a lot of money, they've got to be bad. I rebel at that thought. Uh, I, I, I screenshotted something. Hang on here. I read something from Henry Ford just yesterday. It said this. There are two fools in this world. One is the millionaire who thinks that by hoarding money he can somehow accumulate real power. And the other is the penniless reformer who thinks that if only he can take the money from one class and give it to another, all the world's ills will be cured. You don't take money from one class and give it to another and solve all the problems. Henry Ford is one of the top three people in world history as far as wealth. People don't realize that. Do you realize he didn't leave his money to his family? Left it to something called the Ford Foundation, and it's still funded today by money that Henry Ford put in there, and he died in the early 1950s. He was worth well over $600 billion. Did you know he didn't even like money? He didn't live extravagantly. Success moves. It takes movement to have success. Now listen to this. Movement creates something called friction. And the faster you move, the more friction there is. How many of you remember uh, the space shuttles and spaceships and stuff that we would fly to space? And they had to have special uh, skins on them because as you re-enter the atmosphere, it starts heating up the outside of the spacecraft. Why? Because when you're traveling at 15, 20,000 miles an hour in space where there's no gravity and no, no opposition, it's fine. But when you come back into a situation where there's gravity, now you have friction. And it gets so hot that it'll actually flame right off the sides of the, of the spacecraft. Even air can create flames from friction. You rub your hands together and you go back and forth. The faster you go, the more heat that's, that, that eventually you can actually burn your skin if you do it fast enough and hard enough. Don't try it. How do you know? I was dumb. Can I tell you something? The faster you move, the more friction, the more heat you're going to create. <laughs> when we start passing out tracks in neighborhoods that say no soliciting, and by the way, you have the right to. Well, the, 
They have a sign that says the HOA says that there's, uh, you're not supposed to hand out flyers. That's for the people that live there, not for my church. Just so you know, an HOA does not supersede county and state and federal law. Amen. Period. End of discussion. And so when I get phone calls and people are cussing us out, amen, Brother Josh. He and Brother Juan went out last week. He came back, and uh, on Tuesday, I wasn't here. But he calls me and says, if you get another phone call, this lady just cussed me out and I hung up on her. He said, happened to be in the neighborhood Brother Juan and I just got back from. I said, well, good, you got your own phone call this time. Wait a minute. You say, preacher, does that bother you? No, that's friction. That means we're moving. There's opposition. I don't get discouraged with phone calls like that. I hang up and say, at least we're doing something. At least we're doing something. The enemy will join forces to battle from many directions at the same time. Did you ever get in a situation and your family ganged up on you? Just because of a spiritual stand? Uh, did you ever notice that financial stuff comes in, in bundles? Brother Hiles used to say, life is a series of waves. He didn't tell me they were tsunamis. Good night. Uh, work comes in waves, and it seems like every once in a while it just swamps you. Uh, that type of thing happens in every part, in every aspect of life. You have a new baby, and everybody's all excited. Anybody that's had one goes... Yeah, that first year is not real fun. You got to get them on schedule. And about the time you get them on schedule, then they start cutting teeth. And then they start doing this. And then they start doing that. And then they start doing that. And then they hit the terrible twos and the thunderous threes. And it doesn't stop. And then they want to pop out more. Complicated again. And again. And again. Now, wait a minute. Uh, did you ever realize that negative finds each other? You put two negative people in a room, they'll find each other that quick. <laughs> it's amazing. I can walk into a church building, <laughs> and I can pick out the negative people right away. I can't wait. I'll be preaching next weekend in a place where I know people don't like me. Not everybody, but some. <laughs> you have to understand, in 1985... I was senior class president of my graduating class. They voted me the one most likely to not change. At my fifth and my tenth uh, reunions that they asked me to come back and preach to, I made everybody, just about everybody there mad both times. On the 25th, when we went back, I didn't want to go back, but I was forced to. I had to preach again. Did you know they nominated me again? The one that didn't change at all. Say, did that bother you? Nope. I don't carry the burdens they carry either. I don't carry the heartache they carry. You see, you need to do all you can and let God do what you can't do. Don't give up. Go until you can't go any farther. Listen to this statement. Don't go till you just don't feel like going. Go till you can't go any farther. And then just keep going and say, okay, God, now what? 
Here's the key. It has to be God's plan. God's will. Brother Josh and Ruthann are leaving. They're going to Florida. I'm not distraught. I'm not upset. I'm as excited for them as I was in the will of God for my wife and I's life. I want them following the will of God for their life. Keep going. Keep doing it. I promised him four years ago when he came, if God ever moved him, I'd be his biggest cheerleader. And I'm standing here telling you, it's the will of God. It's fine. Everybody doing okay? You say, but preacher, do you want him to move? No. I like having Ruth in here. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I don't want my, my kids to move unless it's the will of God. Then I want it. You see, too many times it's, well, this isn't what I want. Nobody asked you what you want. What does God want? What's the will of God? I told Brother Josh, I said, if God wants you to go, you better go because I don't want you ruining our church. Because if it's God's will for you to be somewhere else and you're here, that means you're out of God's will here and it's going to hurt our church. I said that very thing about five o'clock one morning. Sitting at coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. One of the first statements I made to him. You see, it's, it's a matter of the will of God, not what we want. We have to put our feelings aside. We have to put our desires aside and do what he wants and then keep on doing it no matter what. I've got to hurry. Number two, God sends help in unusual ways. <laughs> God sent giant hailstones to kill people. Now, I don't think that you ought to go to somebody's house and ask God to send meteorites to fall down on their house. Or giant hailstones. God caused the sun and the moon to stand still and gave them 12 extra hours in a day to fight. He may not answer in ways that you expect. I say this often about faith. I can't tell you how God's going to answer. I can just tell you God is going to answer. I can't tell you how it's going to come in. I can tell you God's going to take care of it. I can't tell you how you're going to make it. I can just tell you God said you're going to make it. And if we'll just, you say, but preacher, I don't see. You don't have to see if you can see the one who sees. Well, but preacher, I don't understand. You don't have to understand if you know the one who understands. I'll never forget, we were getting ready, we, we were buying this, we had bought this ground and we we're trying to get money together to uh, get plans drawn and everything else. We had a family come to our church in the upper room of the wonderful Aiken Center. The miracle of Grace Baptist Church is Aiken Center. I, this this well-to-do couple came to our church. I knew what church they had come from over uh, the Baltimore area. I knew this man was wealthy. I preached one of those sermons that I shot everything that moved, and if it, if it twitched, I shot it twice. It was one of those that I just came unscrewed on. And I thought, this ain't going to go over real well. I'll never forget the next Sunday morning, 
went out to the mailbox, crossed the parking lot, got Saturday's mail. There was a letter in there from that family. I thought, oh, brother, I ain't reading this thing. I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll let Mrs. Barnes read it so she can have a bad day. I'm not going to read it. I, I said that out loud. I took about 15, 20 steps, and the Lord said, open that letter. I said, God, I don't want to open the letter. This is Sunday morning. I need to be encouraged. I don't need to read. Something's going to make me upset. And God and I were having a discussion, Brother Jim, out in the parking lot. I said, God, I don't want to. I don't read mail like that because I know they're going to be upset. And the Holy Spirit said, son, I told you, open the stupid letter. That was about halfway across the parking lot. Dark, 5, 5.30 in the morning. I opened up that letter. I thought, well, they're not members, so I can't lose anybody's membership or tithe. If it gets negative, I'll just put it back in the envelope and read the rest of it tomorrow. I opened up the envelope. I opened up the letter, and there was something in the letter. It was a check for $10,000. I said, I'm going to read the letter. <laughs> oh, my soul. I... <laughs> That, that family had no idea how much we needed $10,000 at that moment, but God did. Amen. That man in that letter, that man and that woman said, we didn't think there was churches still like this. We want to invest in it. <sighs> I thought I'd done chased them off. I wasn't even going to open the letter. I thought about just throwing it away without even opening it up. Good thing I opened it up. I even opened up. Junk mail now, just in case there's a check in it. <laughs> Maybe we ought to look for God after we've done everything we can do. Sometimes God's going to bring it through good advice, wise advice. Sometimes you're going to get the answer from the Word of God, but you've got to be in the Word of God to get it. Sometimes it comes from somebody else's experience or your experience. And by the way, whoever said experience is the best teacher is an idiot. Somebody else's experience is. Uh, if I can learn from what somebody else did and don't have to go through all the mistakes, I'm wiser than trying to go through all the mistakes. Well, I just seem to learn the hard way. Well, then maybe I ought to wise up. Number three, God gave Joshua good help and good insight. Now listen to me very carefully here. <laughs> These people were fleeing away from the, from the Israelites. But God sent spies to show Joshua where to go. God gave Joshua unique insight that he did not give everybody else. There's going to be times where the man of God and the word of God is going to say things that don't make sense to you. But if you'll obey God, I promise you it's going to work out. I promise you. So that just doesn't make sense. No, not to us sinners, but it does to God. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Maybe uh, when, my, when my kids were little, I asked God to show me the wrong that they were doing early. 
I ask God to catch them doing wrong throughout their life. They barely got away with anything. They think they got away with a lot. But I knew a lot of things before they ever did it. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times word got round. One of them was going to do something. I'd pull them aside and say, I don't think that you ought to do that. How'd you find out? Never mind. Did you know that God gives insight to the pastor to help you with your problems? Maybe we ought to, instead of trying to struggle our way, maybe we ought to get help. You say, well, I just don't like the help. Don't blame the messenger. I love you. Don't get mad at the teacher. Sometimes it's the kid. Let me rephrase that. Most of the time it's the kid. Well, not my kid. You just made my point. Well, I don't... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Where are you getting your information? You believe a five-year-old versus an adult? Well, my child wouldn't lie. Do you want us to tell you everything they told us about you and your house? You see, uh, maybe we need to understand things a little differently. <laughs> Did you know that the man of God in the Old Testament used to be called a seer? Someone who could foresee and see ahead farther than others? Do you know that by experience, I have seen more life than most people in this room? I've seen more problems. I've seen the actual problems you have. Friday night, I was with my wife. We were at the bedside of someone passing. I had to tell that lady's daughter, I said, you probably have between 24 and 36 hours. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I was there yesterday morning with Brother Barnes, and I said, you have less than 24 hours. From the time I was there Friday night until she passed away at 4.40 this morning, it was 34 and a half hours. I was only an hour and a half off. Brother Barnes made a statement to me this morning. He said, preacher, you got a you got a unique insight to that stuff. It's not that I have a unique insight. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and hundreds of times. It's called experience. But I know what the signs are. I showed up Friday, everything was declining by Saturday. I leaned over and I could hear the gurgling starting. I said, uh-oh. I said, has she been doing that? No, that just started. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting close. Within 10 minutes, it had gotten worse and worse and worse. I told Brother Barnes, she probably won't make tomorrow morning. 4.40, when my phone went off, she was in heaven. That's not because I'm somebody special. God just gives insight I'm not, I'm, I'm not a know-it-all, but please don't take this the wrong way. You can't show me a problem I haven't been through 50 times. 
There's probably not a person in here, you could tell me your problem, and I, I, I couldn't give you 50 to 100 illustrations of times I've been through it before. It's, it's just, that's what my job is. Does that make sense to everybody? It's not that I think I know everything. I've already made the mistakes and gone through the mistakes with everybody. The help only came because of Joshua's closeness to God and his obedience to what God said. Maybe we ought to learn to trust the insight of God's man, trust the insight and the principles of the word of God, and to do it his way. One illustration, and I'm done. I was a freshman in college. There was a Bible teacher at the college he was an old man then. Dr. Laurent was probably in his 70s. And I know that's not real old, but when you're 18, that's real old. Dr. Laurent was, he was rough. And that's being nice. He was like about 60 grit sandpaper. <laughs> I mean rough. He said, I'm preaching in Michigan, Craig. I need a ride. I'm going blind. I can't drive that far. He said, if I get permission from the administration and you can get permission from your, your parents to, to drive me, would you want to go on a preaching trip with me? Stay in the hotel with me? I'll take care of everything? <laughs> sure. I called home, got permission from my folks. Administration approved it. I drove to Michigan. We were a couple hours down the road and we were talking and Dr. Laurent leaned over and he said, Craig, do you think if you go to the man of God with a problem that God will give him the right answer to help you for your problems? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, good, I do too. Brother Harry, we drove about another two miles. He said, Craig, remember that question I just asked you about if you go to the man of God, you believe God will give him the right answer? I said, yes, sir. He said, I guess then if we go to the man of God and get advice every time, we never have to make a wrong decision, do we? That was 38 years ago. 37 years ago. I've never forgotten that statement. Never forgotten the statement that if I just go get godly advice, I never have to make a wrong decision. I often will call other preachers and get some advice about different things. Say why? Because I don't know it all. Others have more experience than I. Can I tell you something? Maybe we ought to start getting our advice and following it. We wouldn't make so many bad decisions. I want God's success at Grace Baptist Church. If we're going to have success, we're going to face opposition. If we face opposition, we're not going to want to fight. But we have to keep fighting till Jesus comes. We've got to keep the same pace up. We've got to follow what he said do, and his way, not our way. And the help's going to come in strange ways, but it's going to come. Don't you worry.
It'll all be all right. I don't expect God to stop the sun for 12 more hours. He said there was never a day like that before or after that. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he will. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. God gave Joshua great success. It, didn't, it wasn't Joshua's success. It was success for God's will and God's plan. By the way, did you know that plan was over 40 years old? That's the same plan God told Moses about. But they disobeyed. 